What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm David Brody. It's Thursday, March 18, 2021. We begin today with the Democrats' big message to illegal immigrants everywhere around the world. Here it is. Home is here. Look, don't take my word for it. That's not analysis. Literally, that is their slogan. Why am I laughing? You know why I'm laughing. They debuted it at a press conference today on Capitol Hill. There it is. Home is here. Put another way. Come on in. We've got some free stuff and we really want your vote. Of course, that's too long to put on a cardboard sign or a podium. Anyhow, Democrats are going to pass two immigration bills today. One aimed at making sure dreamers stay here legally. The other making sure illegal immigrant farm workers stay here legally. Now, Nancy Pelosi, of course, is saying that this is a great day for America. What she doesn't tell you is that this has no chance of passing the Senate. Uh, Still, she couldn't resist quoting Ronald Reagan, who did indeed sign the last big amnesty bill back in the 80s. By closing, close by quoting Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever close the door to new Americans, our leadership in the world would be lost. It has always been a pleasure for me to sing the praises of our dreamers. Uh, They make us so proud. They have in so many ways, as the distinguished chair has indicated. So for us, this is a day of not only passing legislation, but a cause for celebration. With that, I'm All right, very look, pleased. So as for Republicans, there's really nothing they can do, right, when it comes to the House passing immigration legislation. They're going to have to rely on their colleagues in the Senate to stop it. Still, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had quite a bit to say at his weekly press conference today, especially about that home is here sign. During her press conference this morning, the Speaker Pelosi had a sign up that said home is here. This is the wrong message at the wrong time. Homeland Security Secretary was saying, do not come, just do not come right now. But if you wonder when this all started, you could go back to the presidential debate, the very first presidential debate. What did Joe Biden say? He said illegal immigrants should immediately surge to the border. What did he think would happen when he said that? Hey, by the way, that was Kevin McCarthy talking. That was, that was, I said that yesterday. Can we, are we going to sue him for copyright infringement? I don't know. All right, let me sum it all up, right? Democrats in the House this week are going to pass legislation. They're going to help illegal immigrants stay here. It's never going to become law, right? There's not enough votes in the Senate to pass it. Meanwhile, there's a crisis on the border, and Congress isn't tackling that at all. Democrats talk about how they're all for border security, but we never see any standalone legislation just on that. It's always about catering to illegal immigrants and not about protecting America's border. And that's because Democrats don't really want to protect the border. They're okay with open borders. Immigration, of course, is not the only legislation Congress is working on. Soon, there's going to be an infrastructure bill. And currently, the Senate wants to pass what they call a voting rights bill. Can I put that in air quotes? Look, what it really would do is federalize elections and make voter fraud even easier. 
Democrats are so desperate to pass this bill called H.R. 1 that they are seriously considering right now in D.C. changing filibuster rules, which basically means Democrats could pass any legislation they want with 50 votes instead of what is normally required, which is 60 votes. And that's what Democrats are really talking about. Folks, look, if this ever happened, it would blow up American democracy as we know it. It would make the current divide in this country look like child's play. I want to get more insight now about the filibuster from Tom Jipping over at the, over at the Heritage Foundation. He is the senior legal fellow over there. Tom, thanks for being here, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, Tom, look, this seems to be gaining momentum in Democrat circles. I mean, Amy Klobuchar, who runs the Senate Rules Committee, is going to hold a hearing about this, I think, later this month or next month. I mean, this was at one point thought to not be that serious, but it's very serious. Well, I'm sure Senator Klobuchar will not say at that hearing that she signed a letter just four years ago with 60 other senators, a majority of them Democrats, opposing any effort to limit extended debate in the Senate. She signed it. Uh, Extended debate just simply means that the minority in the Senate uh, has more uh, kind of authority and standing to participate in the process than they do in the House, where a simple majority just runs everything. You you saw that little, that sign, you know, home is here. Uh, Democrats might as well have one that says, might makes right, because uh, for them, They want a majority to be able to do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, however it wants. That's never been the way our system of government has been designed. In the Senate, there's there's a it's like a speed bump, you know, where where the majority, at least in the Senate, has to take account of the minority. They got to work across the aisle and and the potential for a filibuster is what uh, doesn't guarantee that. But it's certainly an incentive to move in that direction. Uh, and I think senators would be better, would better serve the country if they worked across the aisle instead of trying to rig the game so that they win all the time. And, and Tom, let's be honest. I mean, Joe Biden has been inching towards this uh, as, as we've moved forward. I mean, at first, you, he didn't, you know, you know, deep down, Joe Biden in 1987, the 1987 Joe Biden would never want to do this. The 1997, 2007. But now, you know, he, he might want to do it. NPR out with something uh, saying that Biden endorsing reform, reforming the Senate filibuster. And, and so what he's talking about is apparently a talking filibuster, which is back in the old days, if you will. Uh, let's play a, a quick clip from him, and then I want to get your reaction to it. On a mission, just say you're not likely to get Republican votes for the tax increase. You're not likely to get Republican votes for H.R. 1, expanding voting rights, or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. So aren't you going to have to choose... I know you've been reluctant to do away with the filibuster. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. And you had to keep talking alone. You couldn't call for... Command the floor. I mean, we're talking about talking filibuster. Tom, mm-hmm. your, your, your view on this. Well, Senator Biden should know better. That's never been the way uh, filibusters have actually been conducted in the Senate. Uh, Since the turn of the 19th century, ending debate in the Senate has always been a matter of votes, not theatrics. The, the, The rule that the Senate has had since 1917 specifies the number of votes required to end debate so that the Senate can then move on to vote on a bill. It's always the number of votes, whether a senator stands on the floor and talks for a long time or not. 
there have been a few you know, celebrated so-called filibusters, Strom Thurmond in 1957. That wasn't a filibuster. It was a long speech. Senators have had the right to give long speeches since the Senate was created. That's not what blocks final passage of a bill. What blocks final passage is that the supporters of that bill can't get the number of votes they need in order to end debate. When you can't get the votes to end debate, that's a filibuster. So this business of, which kind of stems from what Mr. Smith goes to Washington in 1939, that movie, uh, that was fiction then, it's fiction now. The issue is how many votes should it take to end debate? The majority wants a simple majority. The minority wants more than that. That's always been the debate, no matter which party is which. Uh, and it's the debate today. So I think that's just kind of a, a, a attempt at misdirection and to, to I think mislead people that this is some kind of a mid-moderate compromise or something. It's not. Yeah. Democrats want to end the filibuster so that they can get what they want every time. Do you think that will end up happening because uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema clearly seem to be in the way? Well, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned the letter just four, four years ago. Uh, I think the media ought to ask every one of the senators who signed that letter, 48 of them are still in the Senate, uh, 27 of those are Democrats. Kamala Harris signed that letter, that they would oppose any effort to curtail extended debate in the Senate. The media ought to ask every one of those senators why that was their position in 2017 with a Republican, yeah. uh, and when Republicans were in the majority, uh, and it's not today when Democrats uh, are. Tom, they're gonna play, even already Elizabeth Warren is kind of playing the race card, saying, you know, this whole Voting Rights Act, uh, the, the bill HR1, if you, if you don't vote for it, you know, it's racist, you know, you're racist and all that, uh, and you know, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, this is what they're gonna do. Sure. They're, they're gonna try to well, guilt people into it. The fact that you can use a filibuster for a bad end doesn't indict the filibuster. It indicts the senators who use it. You could use that logic to say the entire legislative process is racist because it can be used uh, to pass bad legislation. Look, Barack Obama, when he was a senator in 2006, he didn't have a problem with the filibuster and never mentioned Jim Crow when he voted to filibuster the federal marriage amendment or he voted to, to a, a filibuster a law that prohibited taking children across state lines for abortions. Right. Didn't have any problem with the filibuster then. That's right. So th that's a fake issue. The issue is, is how the Senate as an institution runs, and I think we ought to keep it the way it is. Tom Jipping with the Heritage Foundation. Great insight. We'd love having you on the show. Thanks, Tom. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, David. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, that's, uh, as, as my dad would say, a smart cookie. I hope he doesn't uh, get offended. I just called him a smart cookie on national television. But he's pretty smart. Uh, all right, coming next, uh, we're going to go down to Georgia. Uh, we have Georgia on our mind. Ray Charles, look it up about Jen Beers. And Heather Mullins, Real America's Voice correspondent for some interesting developments. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
water cooler, everybody. Uh, you know, CNN, all those uh, liberal media outlets, they've moved on. Guess what? We're not moving on from the 2020 election. We're going to still talk about it. You know why? Because it's in the news. It's in the headlines. And we are just the news here on Real America's Voice. So take a look at this headline. Uh, the Federalist. Uh, Georgia judge eyes unsealing 2020 election ballots in Fulton County to shed light. That's right. That's a quote. Shed light on the truth. Yeah, so why don't we talk about the truth a little bit with Heather Mullins, uh, Real America's Voice correspondent, uh, has been following, I mean, forget following what's going on in Georgia. She has been on it like a glove. I mean, you can't separate, like, the 2020 election and the Georgia recount from Heather Mullins. You're like one kit and caboodle. Heather, great to see you. Great to see you too, David. Well, tell me a little bit about the latest in Georgia, because this is a big deal. Uh, absolutely, David. So I'm really excited about this because, as you know, right after the election uh, back in November, I went to Georgia to cover the hand recount, and it led to me being there for about two and a half months investigating. And in Fulton County, you might have remembered the controversial State Farm Arena video that came out, as well as several affidavits of season 20 year. Fulton County poll workers and poll managers that had basically gave sworn affidavits that they testified to in the Georgia Senate hearing that they believe they came across counterfeit ballots during the hand recount. In fact, I was actually at the Georgia World Congress Center when one of the women whose affidavits were used in this lawsuit, um, where, where she was counting the ballots and she came across a stack that were supposed to be absentee ballots hand filled in by the person that did them. Well, these ballots she came across, she alleges, look like they come off a printer and they were all for Joe Biden. So this is one of four different affidavits they've submitted to this judge in Fulton County in a lawsuit filed by VoterGA.org. And they are a couple of patriotic Americans. You have Garland Favorito, Caroline Jeffords, attorney Bob Chile, really getting to the bottom of this. And thankfully, the judge has approved conditionally right now the unsealing of these ballots. So you say conditionally. So what, what's the next step? What happens for, at this point? So the lawsuit specifically seeks four things, right? It, they seek to do a visual inspection of the ballots. They seek to do a forensic inspection of the ballots. They seek the Dominion cast images of those ballots. So as they're scanned into the machines, it, store, it creates a digital file of that, of that ballot. So they're seeking that as well as the standard election reports. So what the judge wants the plaintiffs to do is put together a plan of how this audit is going to take place, what experts are going to have access to what information, because his biggest concern was that any private information isn't revealed. But I had a chance to interview Garland Favorito, who's heading this lawsuit, who says that all four of the things they're requ requesting contain no personal information or any proprietary information owned by Dominion. So there should be no reason that not only can they not audit these things, but that the press, myself, can document the entire process. Well, that's an, I was going to ask you about documenting the process. And first of all, have they not heard of the word redaction? I mean, I mean why can't they just redact some of the stuff if it's in there? But I'm curious about that. But uh, tell me about uh, you uh, specifically. Are you going to be able to observe some of this? What's, what's going to happen here? Because this is a big deal, Heather. Absolutely, David. So that is the plan right now is to have me document the process, film it, uh, the whole the whole nine, but it has to get approved by the court. So right now what's currently happening is the plaintiffs have until March 24th to submit to the courts what this audit is going to look like. 
And then the respondents in the case, which is the clerk of the court that they currently have possession of these ballots and the, the data, and then the Fulton County attorney are going to have until April 5th to respond. And so what's going to happen after that, there's a hearing currently set for April 14th, where we'll have more information of exactly when this audit's going to start. Right. So what's the smoking gun potentially here? What could be inside there? You mentioned those printed ballots, which uh, I'm wondering if that's not uh, that I'm assuming is one of them. Is that is that what you're most interested in? What are some other things that you're you're looking at? So, I mean, I'm interested in that. I'm also interested in, you know, finding out whether or not, like, if, if, if this turns up that there's 25,000 absentee ballots that are came off of a printer, this essentially compromises the entire election because Doug Collins in Georgia would have won his Senate race and the Republicans would currently have control of Congress. So this is going to be a national story if it, if it plays out the way I think it could. And in fact, you may also know in the note, the news, the Washington Post is coming under fire after release, releasing misquoted phone calls from President Trump and the right. Georgia lead election investigator claiming that he was telling her, find the fraud and you'll be a hero if you do. When in fact, what was actually said on that co conversation, President Trump encouraged her to scrutinize the ballots in Fulton County that this judge just unsealed. Yeah, that, I mean, the whole thing is Georgia has been like, you know, ground zero for all of this. And so so that, so now the question becomes all of this is happening at a time where Georgia is trying to undergo some real uh, possible uh, legislative upheaval uh, when it comes to uh, vote, voting. I say voting rights. See, the Democrats have already sucked me in on the language. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but uh, actual cracking down on voter fraud. How about we do it that way? Uh, tell me a little bit about 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 what's going on in Georgia regarding that, because th there's a lot of activity in the state right now. Yeah, so uh, setting aside the audit, there's a couple bills that are in the Georgia legislature that they're looking to pass to implement things like voter ID laws. One of the other things that they're looking to prevent is people like Mark Zuckerberg, who in the last election came out, started writing checks right out of his own pocket to an organization that only gave money to certain counties. And now this basically is like, why are third party p parties coming in and funding our elections? He would literally go into counties in Georgia and write checks to those election supervisors. And so what they've done is that in this bill, it prevents people like him from injecting money into our elections moving forward, as well as, you know, the strict voter ID laws and limiting no excuse absentee ballots. So they're looking to repeal that and making it so, so that if you request an absence absentee ballot, you have to have a few qualifying conditions, like you're over 65, you're disabled, or you're in the military. Yeah, but of course, that's restricting rights, according to Pelosi. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started with that. The Restricting Ballot Act. All right. Heather Mullins, great to see you. Uh, great reporting throughout uh, this, this election cycle and beyond, clearly. So really appreciate your time. Thanks, David. Always a pleasure to be on. Heather Mullins, Real America's Voice correspondent. I got to tell you, look, here's the thing. I'm just going to be straight with you, okay? Uh, you go to CNN, you go to all these places. They're not even covering any of this, okay, number one. Number two, the ones that are covering it, they're covering it from a peripheral standpoint. Heather Mullins is digging. She's literally there. She's actually observing. She's actually seeing the documents and reporting, doing a deep dive on this stuff. Folks, that is called journalism. That's journalism right there for you. Back in a moment, CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. 
you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, we've talked about 2022. Yes, it's 2021, but we're going to talk about 2022 and the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, can Republicans take back the House? Uh, we want to bring in now Joe Kent, who is a candidate for Congress on the Republican side out in Washington State, District 3, uh, Congressional District 3. Uh, Joe, uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's talk about uh, first your district. Uh, what's the what's the political terrain out there for you? Uh, how's it looking uh, in terms of uh, that seat? And uh, where are Republicans exactly in 2022? Because there's a good chance they could take back the House. Absolutely. There's a strong uh, amount of support coming from the grassroots level to get America first Republicans back into the House so that we can hold it down and restore the will of the people um, for until 2024 when we get President Trump back in office. So my district, the third congressional district is located in Southwest Washington. So we're smack dab in between failing Democrat ran cities, uh, Portland to our South and Olympia and Seattle to our North. So we are key trained for the Democrats. They want to control this area. We are right now the only stretch of red that touches the Pacific Ocean and the continent of the United States. The problem is we have a rhino Republican who does not ever stand and fight when it's time to really make our voices heard in Washington, D.C. So we're going to get rid of her. That's Jamie Herrera Butler. She voted for the impeachment of President Trump and then offered to be the Democrats' star witness in the sham impeachment. So she's got to go. People out here are fired up. The base that got Trump into office in 16 and 20 saw what happened in 2020, and we want to make it right and send someone to Washington who's going to fight for us. Joe, there are going to be so many people, us included, obviously, looking at your race out there to see if the if rhinos can get booted out of office. I mean, this is what Trump's talking about, right? No more money for rhinos. He doesn't want the Republicans supporting any of these candidates. I mean, you, you you're there's going to be a lot of eyes on your race out there. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate the attention. We need everyone's support to help get the rhinos out because Unfortunately, they still have a good deal of backing. Jamie Herrera Butler has a pretty big war chest from last time. And then also there's still a good deal of establishment people that like these go along to get along country club Republicans that don't represent the hardworking men and women of this country. So we need everyone's support and I know that we can do it and we'll pull this off. Well, let's, uh, that's a good transition to, uh, you talk about Republicans just like to do the same old, same old. Uh, let's take a look at some of the latest uh, headlines as it relates to the House of Representatives. Uh, House Republicans actually, passed a resolution kind of internally within their caucus to support earmarks. It's like, wait, what? Wait, I thought we were done with earmarks. I'm a little confused, but apparently they're going to have some stipulations in there ethically that you can't, you know, have any sort of conflict of interest, X, Y, and Z. But I mean, th this is the exact type of stuff that I think voter has voters scratching their heads, Joe. It really does. I was really disappointed to see them, the House GOP, attempt to sneak this through. So we still don't know exactly who voted on the bill, which pretty much tells you everything you need to know. We've <laughs> seen Republicans come out and say they didn't vote for it, but it's it's very telling that they tried to sneak this through. And this is the gateway drug to running up our national debt and saddling our children and our grandchildren with more insurmountable debt. I mean, the debt's already out of control. We saw the 1.9 trillion COVID relief bill go through that did nothing but put more debt on our children and grandchildren. This is this is just the type of thing that we need to push back against 
in DC is this cronyism, adding pork to various bills type of dealings that have gotten us to where we are right now. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus bill, uh, as they call it, of course, or the Economic right. or America Rescue Plan. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff tack, uh, tucked inside of there. Obviously, debt and deficit, all of that, uh, it'll increase all of that crazily. Uh, but uh, what about the tax hikes? Because, uh, you know, Biden, uh, the headlines are showing Biden planning tax hikes on uh, corporations right there. You see New York Post saying Biden planning on tax hikes on corporations and wealthy to pay for progressive programs. Boy, I tell you what, they... they I, you know, the, the, he talked about being this unity candidate, and here we go, all these taxes, all this. We kind of knew it was coming. Well, we really did, and they always play a really cute game with the language. So Biden says he's going to tax the rich, and he says he's going to tax corporations. And then we learn that he's defining rich and apparently corporations as couples who make $400,000 put together. So he's deliberately targeting with these tax hikes the upper middle class and even the middle class. If you live in a major city and you and your spouse make 200K each, you're far from being rich. But as a matter of fact, you're, you're helping to support other middle class people with the goods that you buy, with the services that you buy. And then also a lot of these people in the $400,000 $400, income range, they're also small business owners who have been absolutely crushed by COVID restrictions. So just when we think we're climbing out of this, Biden puts another target on the hardworking men and women of this country. So he continues to pass policies that do nothing but benefit the elites and, and hold down the working class. And I think that's becoming very clear to the American people here as we approach 2020. Joe, let me ask you one last policy question before we let you go. It's immigration. What is this? What's the situation out there? where you are, you talk about you're in a red uh, district, technically, obviously, but uh, what's the, the scuttlebutt, what's the conversation out there on immigration, uh, and does it mirror what we're hearing uh, nationally? Uh, what's, what's the take out there? So we're, we're very concerned, because as I mentioned before, the third congressional district, we're in between failing Democrat-ran cities, which are sanctuary cities. So we are essentially a border town to our north and to our south because Portland, Seattle, and Olympia refuse to enforce the law and they open the door wide open for illegal immigration. So on the crime and security front, this is a opens the door wide open for human trafficking, drug trafficking, all the bad stuff that's coming from our southern border because the the state, the nations to our south aren't stupid. They're exporting a lot of their problems here. The human trafficking across the borders being rammed by the cartels, the instances of women being raped and sexually assaulted and trafficked is extremely high. So this is a major issue for us, but there's also the economic factor that ties into everything else we're talking about here. The reason why Joe Biden's letting these illegal immigrants flood into our country is because he has no intention of letting hardworking Americans get these $15 minimum wage jobs. The corporations, the same ones that haven't been affected at all by COVID restrictions, yeah. are going to continue to hire these illegal immigrants and not Again, everything that I see come left is just targeting the working and middle class. Joe, Joe Kent, really appreciate you uh, and your time. We had a little technical difficulty there at the end, but we got the gist. Immigration's a problem. And I know you're trying to, to work on that on a whole lot of other issues out there in your, the district that you are uh, running for and, and I are running in. And I just want to quickly say that what we're going to what we're going to do with Joe is we're going to follow this all the way through 2022 because he seems to be one of the guys that Trump would back, obviously, against uh, a rhino out there, as, as he calls her. Uh, so we will monitor that. 
and get you the latest as we move forward. All right, when we come back, Pastor Brian Gibson, the founder of Peaceably Gather. Was Jesus a racist? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Look, I've heard some strange things in my life. Trust me. I mean, when you've lived as long as I have, you hear quite a few things. You know, like, for example, someone asked me the other day, uh, do you want seconds? And I'm like, of course I want seconds. What what a silly thing to ask. Uh, And here's a silly headline. Uh, Take a look at this headline. (laughs) Well, I'm already laughing. Was Jesus a racist? What? What? There was a reverend, uh, Brandon Robertson. Uh, He's apparently an author and theologian. I don't know about that. Theologian? Really? Uh, He posted a TikTok video. Yeah, there you go. Pastor posted a TikTok video uh, talking about Jesus being racist. Look, you know, I said to myself, wait a minute, hold on. We got to talk to Pastor Brian Gibson about this. Founder of Peaceably Gather, because he's going to say, come on. Give me a break. Uh, well, I don't know what he's going to say, but there he is. Pastor Gibson, good to see you, sir. Well, come on, David. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, <laughs> oh, go, let's, just go. Let's just talk go. about this guy. Yeah, okay. First, I wouldn't call him a reverend. I would not call him a theologian. Yeah. All he has is wokeology, and what he's suggesting is, is crazy. So he takes this text. Uh, it's both in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew, where a woman, Canaanite woman, comes to Jesus saying, my child is demon-possessed. Will you cast the devil out uh, of my child? Jesus doesn't answer her at first. Then she keeps coming, falls down his feet, worships him. Uh, he says it's not good to take the bread, give it to the dogs. She says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus turns around and says, this is the biggest faith I've ever seen, right? And heals the woman's daughter. So uh, here's some things he doesn't. He says, he says that Jesus had to repent of his racism and that this woman spoke truth to power are the words that, that he used, which is insanity. Let me tell you why it's insanity. Number one, this, this story comes from Mark and Matthew. Matthew has Jesus's genealogy right at the beginning of it. Did you know in Jesus's, Jesus's genealogy, there are four Gentiles, not Jewish people, but four Gentiles. One of the most radical things you could do in the first century would be to admit as a Jew that there's Gentile blood in your veins. Right. Two of those people listed in the genealogy would have been the same as this woman. So for, for Jesus to call her a dog, he's got the same blood, right? And, and here's the other thing. She is a part of the power structure of her day. She would have been wealthier than the Jewish people. The Jews were under the oppression of Rome. It was Pax Romana, and the Canaanites would literally make their living off the backs of poor peasant Jews taking the bread from their table. Jesus is exposing, hey, you guys have taken our bread, right? right? He's talking to an issue. So, so they're trying to flip the script and make Jesus look like he's from the powerful racial caste. But he wasn't. He was from the oppressed racial caste. And this guy doesn't give you the background. He's talking to 19-year-olds on TikTok. Uh, it's not theology. It needs to be hit. It's heresy. Well, I want to get to the, the, the major concern about those talking to those 19-year-olds that are not biblically literate uh, in, in a moment. Uh, but I got to tell you, here, here's another problem that he, he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus repenting. Hey, newsflash, he's God. He can't repent. How in the world do you repent when you're, wait for it, sinless? I mean, come on. Come, I mean, really? No. 
No, 100%, David. If if Jesus repented, he is not God. So they say this in theology school. you got to have a high enough Christology view of Christ to support a sufficient soteriology or a way to get saved. you got to see Jesus big enough, right, to get into heaven, and he's destroying the biblical Jesus. And it's more of the Trojan horse riding into the church every week with wokeology trying to redefine who we are. And because we don't have a moral compass in our schools anymore— and we're not educating Christians like we used to in America. The people don't know, and they take some of this stuff hook, line, and sinker now. And Generation X and older better wake up and start speaking to these issues. Well, let's drill down a little bit before we let you go on this wokeology and the concern uh, that's out there about what, what these kids are here. And it's not just kids. <laughs> it's not just kids. No. I mean, you know, there's been a generational, maybe multi-generational shift in this country when it comes to understanding the true meaning of the gospel. Uh, and so maybe you can kind of give people a schoolhouse rock version of what we're talking about here with the gospel, as opposed to what they might be hearing on TikTok and other places out there on Facebook. Talk about fake news. This is the biggest fake news out there. Oh, it, it, it's, it's the worst fake news in the world. And so they're trying to change the gospel right now from being about Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, coming and dying on the cross for the sins of humanity, being placed in the tomb, to save both Jew, Gentile, white, black, whatever color you are, to save you, uh, being resurrected on the third day. And if you'll repent of your sins and receive him, you'll have eternal life. That is the gospel message. So what they want to do, Wokeology comes in and says, no, that's not the real issue. The real issue are the social issues of the day. And they try to take the character and nature of Jesus and turn him into simply a social justice warrior. And, and they'll, they'll be heavy on uh, talking about who's oppressed, who's not. And of course, we ought to, we ought to fight for the oppressed. But, but the way they spin it, the way they use it is simply a Marxist agenda. And it is not the gospel. It's yeah. trying to change a mindset and to change what the Word of God says. And, it and, doesn't work at all. And you mentioned the social justice gospel. This has been my biggest concern. And I know Reverend Jim Wallace and, you know, we've broken bread together. I mean, I, I know him. Uh, not a bad guy, but the problem is, is that, and I told Jim this, I said, look, your, your gospel is the social justice gospel. It's not the actual gospel. I, I mean, so, you know, they like to do selective editing, uh, the social justice Christians, where, you know, it's all about Matthew 25 and, and compassion. Uh, but have you read uh, maybe a few other verses? That, that, that's my issue. Well, and, and, and that's, that's a, a big issue. But past that, past just the social gospel a social justice form of gospel. They don't want to take their thoughts or their ideas and just apply it to you personally. They want to force it on you in government uh, legislation, law, right? They, they want to take it right. and, and use it to change Christians' ideas when it comes to voting so they can control the entire world. So should we be generous? Should we help the oppressed? Absolutely. Should the government force me, right, to, to, to do this or do that and violate my rights and choose someone's rights over my own. That's the problem, and that's where they're going. They want to put conservative Christians, conservative Amer Americans in an armbar to make sure we do what they want us to, or we'll be canceled, just like Pepe Le Pew, just like uh, Dr. Zeus, and now they're coming after Jesus. How's Fat Albert survived? That's what I, I want to know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you straight up, Fat Albert may not survive. He could be next on the chopping block for sure. Uh, Pastor Gibson, really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for uh, giving it to us straight. Hey, thank you for having me, David. All right, Pastor Brian Gibson. We love having him on every week uh, because he brings some sanity to the conversation. Look, 
I mean, all right, you know what? I was going to do a Bible study. He just did a Bible study. Do we need two Bible studies in one segment? Probably not. Well, actually, maybe, maybe we do. Uh, but look, bottom line is he's absolutely right, and you got to be careful. And by the way, uh, beyond this whole Jesus was a racist situation on TikTok, watch out what's on TikTok, okay? Just because it's on TikTok doesn't mean it's true. As a matter of fact, the percentage on that, pretty low. Check it out for yourself. We're back in a moment with the last segment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Time for the last sip. Let's get right to it. The poll of the day. The water cooler poll of the day. All right, let's take a look. It's the first time I'm even seeing this poll. That's that's true. Do you favor or oppose the way that President Joe Biden is dealing with immigration issues and the situation at the border? Oh, the old 14% strongly favor, 24% somewhat favor, somewhat opposed, 14%. Boom, there it is, strongly opposed. Boom, boom, boom. So if you combine somewhat opposed and strongly opposed, it's over 50%. That was my cash register, by the way, which has nothing to do with money, but it doesn't have to do with percentages. Anyhow, there you go. That is the poll of the day. And while we're in the last sip, uh, I guess I'm going to change topics to a degree. It's still about the Democrats. <laughs> John Kerry. How about John Kerry? Uh, he had a, a mask issue uh, the other day. Uh, he was on a flight, American Airlines flight, and uh, whoops, someone took that picture. Hey, John, where's the mask? Where is the mask? It is a f- mandate. It's a mandate. Put on the mask, John. He put it to an ear. He flipped, I don't know, he had it on an ear. Anyhow, let's uh, read what John Kerry had to say about that uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's defending himself. Let's be honest, he is. This is what he says. I feel like I should do a John Kerry uh, imitation, but I won't. Feels like there's some St. Patrick's Day malarkey afoot on Twitter. Let's be clear. If I drop my mask to one ear on a flight, it was momentary. Oh, come on, John. Sorry, that's not in the tweet. I wear my mask because it saves lives and stops the spread. It's what the science tells us to do. Hey, John Kerry, we don't believe you. We don't think it was momentary. And look, even if it was, oh, sorry, did I say this? We don't believe you. We don't think it was momentary. But even if you think we believe that it was momentary, put on the mask every single second of the flight. You know why? Because conservatives are like, ah, I don't care about a mask so much. You know, so, so if they drop it, well, you know what? They're dropping it because they don't really care, okay? But you're supposed to care. Liberals are supposed to care. You're saving lives. Follow the science. Well, you know what? Why don't you follow the science on your whole one hour and 22 minute flight? All right? You don't need to follow the science for one hour and 21 minutes because you know what? In that one minute, in that one minute, you could get COVID. You could. And by the way, that makes me think of Gavin Newsom. He didn't wear the mask at that, uh, what was that? That French something, whatever that was. Nancy Pelosi in the hair salon. Joe Biden at the Lincoln Memorial. Bunch of hypocrites. Bunch of hypocrites. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It is the end of the show, and uh, I've been working hard. I've been working hard. <laughs> Why do I always give myself a compliment? I'm working hard. Uh, I think I've lost three pounds during the show, which is, uh, is a good thing, by the way. Uh, let's check in with Daniel Payne, a writer for Just the News. Daniel, back with us. And I don't know if you go by Daniel or do you go by Dan. Dan Payne, that's pretty cool. You know, I, you haven't given me my own uh, uh, byline down there on the cryon, so I don't know yet. you gotta, you got to tell me. Okay, let us think that through. Madison, we need to think that through next time. Uh, all right, uh, Daniel, uh, talk to us about some of what you've been discovering, writing about over at justthenews.com. Yeah, so a uh, report we have up this week, it's very important uh, for anybody who consumes media on a regular basis. We took a look at the various, uh, you know, big scale, uh, high profile screw ups that a lot of major media outlets have been doing recently. Uh, you know, most recently, the Washington Post had to issue a major correction for a report it did in which it claimed that Donald Trump had urged a high-ranking Georgia election official to find the fraud in that state. Turns out the Washington Post was going off of a paraphrase of that quote from an anonymous source. And when they actually reviewed the audio call, it turned out he said no such thing. So what we see is a lot of errors like that from a lot of major outlets that really serve to undermine the trust that Americans have in their media. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, we only have time for just a short follow-up on this, uh, an answer from you. But it really kind of goes to sourcing today and, you know, what sources should be revealed and what shouldn't. I mean, I understand sources need to be keep, kept private to a degree if it's a national security issue. But something like this, a big story like this, look, you, you can't just be throwing out, like, you know, a government official, X, Y. People, people need to know. They, they have the right to know where that person stands on the issue. Yeah, I mean, as you said, anonymous sources are very important parts of a lot of journalism, but the reliance on anonymous sources these days from so many media outlets, uh, very often when the stories themselves turn out to be bunk, just serves to further undermine trust that people have in major media institutions, and understandably so. Yeah. Daniel Payne, uh, great to see you, as always. Uh, JustTheNews.com. They just need to type in your name. I'm sure you, I mean, I type in my name every day. That's all you have to do, just type in your name, JustTheNews.com. Oh, I Google myself every few minutes. <laughs> well, then you beat me, or maybe you don't. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, my wife always says, are you Googling yourself again? Really? Are, are you typing in your name? What are you doing? That sounded weird. All right. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Teresa Mole, editor of Gunpowder Magazine. Love having her on the show. She doesn't play around. I think she's packing heat. Uh, Dave Bratt will be here as well. Eric Metaxas on the show. This is going to be a great show. I'm going to lose weight tomorrow.